yourself. So again, we want to welcome you to we want to welcome our Poet Radio listeners. Tonight's lesson is the eighth day, the real Father's Day. And again, we know that those of you who were out there were celebrating Father's Day. Your children took you out for Father's Day. People sent you text messages, happy Father's Day. And the world made you feel real good. It's nothing wrong with honoring your flesh and blood father or those who have fathered you along the way. But tonight... We're going to learn about the real Father's Day, the coming of the Father, our Heavenly Father, that Jesus himself spoke about for that three and a half years that his ministry was there, brothers and sisters. Let's learn about the coming of the kingdom of God. In this lesson, we're going to take a close look at the real Father's Day. Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter. The book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, and again, Jesus always pointed to one that was greater than himself while he was in a flesh and blood body. Matthew, the sixth chapter, and we're going to read verses 5 through 11. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into the closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which is in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father know of what things you have need of before you ask. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, what we want to focus on right here, brothers and sisters, is verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want to focus on, right? Now, in the seventh month of the year, brothers and sisters, the Lord has a total of four feast days. And when I say the seventh month of the year, you got to start counting in the month of March. Okay. March, April, May, June, July, August, September. So September is actually the seventh month of the year. Whoa, wait a minute. Now, for those of you who are new, I know that you're going by man's calendar, right? I understand that. 
But October, as I always break it down, the etymology or the root of the word October, O-C-T, means eight. A stop sign is in the form of an octagon. Why is it called an octagon? Because it has eight sides. What's the first three letters of octagon? O-C-T. An octopus is called an octopus because it has eight tentacles. What's the first three letters of octopus? O-C-T. October was originally given its name because it was the eighth month of the year. What's the first three letters of October? O-C-T. So when I say the seventh month, I'm talking about September. And this vein, which was the Lord's original seventh month of the year, and it wasn't even called September at that particular time. So I just want you to be clear when I say the Lord has seven feast days in the seventh month of the year. Okay. He has the day of atonement. That's when we purge ourselves. That's when the Lord commands us to fast, brothers and sisters. That's the only day of the year that the Lord commands us to fast. Any fast that you do outside of the Day of Atonement is of your own accord. Then you have the, the memorial of the blowing of trumpets, brothers and sisters. That symbolizes the, the, the alarm that set off, signifying the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Remember, he comes at the last trump. And then you got the Feast of Tabernacles, because when Jesus comes back, he gathers his people from the four corners of the earth. That's that great gathering, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, when Europeans got this thing in their hands, they said, well, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was predicated or modeled after the Feast of Tabernacles, brothers and sisters. Another lesson for another time. And then you have the eighth day, but that's the one that we're going to concentrate on today because the eighth day symbolizes something. Let's go in the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. If you want to find out all of the Lord's feast days, you got to go into this chapter right here. Leviticus 23, we're going to read verses one and two first. Leviticus 23, verses one and two. Because we got to make sure that you understand something when it comes to the word of God. People that dictated this Bible, which were anointed, dictated the words of God, not their own words, brothers and sisters. The New Testament into Paul's writing, things changed a little bit and people started adding their opinions in connection to the scriptures. But when you talk about the law, the testimony or what's considered to be the Old Testament. Let's read it. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, so who's doing the talking? The Lord is doing the talking. What is the Lord saying? The Lord said in verse two, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation. Even these are my feast. So don't you dare say that this is the Jews feast. Don't you dare say that this is Moses's feast. The Lord say, even these are my feast. Let's go down to verse four. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations or gatherings or church, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. So each feast is attached to a season, brothers and sisters. And when we get into the month of September, we get into the wet season, the fall season as they call it today, okay? 
So now let's go ahead and study a little bit more. And we're going to go verses 23. We're still in the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. We're going to go down now. I'm sorry, not verse 23, verses 39 through 42. Leviticus 23, verses 39 through 42. And it says, also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days. Imagine that look of gathering in the fruit of the land. You got the basket. You got the gathering in of fruit. Don't that picture in your mind, Thanksgiving, the pictures that they have of the basket, the corn, the pumpkin, the this, that, and the other. Well, they again, they predicated Thanksgiving off of this feast. The great gathering the Feast of Tabernacles. And it says, you shall gather in the fruit of the land at verse 39. You shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath. And on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. Wait a minute, I'm confused now, Lord. You just told me that in the 15th day of the seventh month, we're going to have a gathering of the fruit of the land and we shall keep it a feast unto you, Lord, for seven days. Well, how do you get eight out of seven? Well, if this feast lasts for seven days and then on the eighth day is another Sabbath. That means that that's a separate Sabbath from the seven day feast gathering Sabbath that we just read about. So you got a Sabbath on the 15th day of the seventh month. You're going to keep that a Sabbath for seven days. And then on the eighth day, you got a whole separate Sabbath. Let's go ahead and continue reading. It said, and you shall take to you on the first day the bowls of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the bowls of thick trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord God seven days. There's that seven again. And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statue forever. Wait a minute. Then why aren't the Christian churches today still keeping this feast of the ingathering called the Feast of Tabernacles? If the Lord just told us that it should be a statue forever in all our generations. So don't you let nobody tell you, oh, we don't have to keep that feast no more. That was in the Old Testament. This is how people get you cut off, brothers and sisters. Sometimes we follow the wrong people and sometimes the people that we follow aren't sent by God. Because if you were sent by God, then you would be reciting what God said. And if God said that this would be a feast forever, a statue forever in all your generations, then that means that we should still be keeping this. It says you shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booth seven days. All that are Israelites shall dwell in booths. What booths are they talking about, brothers and sisters? That's the interesting question. The boost that they're talking about is this flesh and blood body, brothers and sisters. This is the booth that we are to dwell in for seven days or 7,000 years. But we got to find out what happened after the 7,000 years. This is getting good. This is getting deep. This is getting interesting. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. In captivity, brothers and sisters, it has been difficult to keep the Lord's feast days because honestly, we were not taught it and we did not know it. 
The spiritual aspect of the feast days and the true meaning of them should be taught. And the commandments of the day should be kept, brothers and sisters, to the best of our ability and our knowledge. But again, when we were coming up in slavery, we didn't know to do these things. We came up under Roman Christianity. Roman Christianity don't acknowledge these things. And that's why we say there's a difference between Roman Christianity and biblical Christianity. Let's go to Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. And then we're going to read, brothers and sisters, Nehemiah 8. And we're going to read verses 11 through 18. Nehemiah 8. 11 through 18. If you can't turn to the scriptures quick enough, Facebook family who are watching live, the scriptures are right there in your comment section. Thanks thanks to our sister Key Israel of the Truth Hour Bible class ministries. Okay, just tap on see more and you can read it with me. Nehemiah 8, 11 through 18. And it says, so the Levites stealed the people saying, hold your peace for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day, they were gathered together, the chief of the fathers of all people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra, the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. So even though they had the book back then. Even though they had the prophets back then, many of the people didn't understand the words of the law. And we are in that same condition today. So don't feel bad that you 30 years old and 40 years old and 50 years old and you don't know some of the things that we teach on this show. I had to learn, too. I didn't always know these things. I grew up in the Kingdom Hall. My mother is a Jehovah Witness till this day, over 50 years. And we talk every single day and we were discussing this um, this afternoon. And of course, we disagreed on some things, but that's my mama. I love her. Sometimes we got to agree to disagree. But I told my mama, I said, Mama, it don't matter how much I love you. If I ever got to choose between what you tell me. And what the word of God say, I'm going to go with what the word of God say. Mama. And. That's how we have to be, brothers and sisters. So we are at verse 14, Nehemiah 8 and 14. And they found written in the law. They found written in the law. This is the book of Nehemiah. You know how many chapters had passed? Exodus, when he gave out these laws, numbers, and all the books before we get to Nehemiah, but they found written in the book of the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. We're talking about this same feast, the feast of ingathering, which is called the Feast of Tabernacles. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go forth unto the mount and fetch olive branches and pine branches and myrtle branches and palm branches and branches of thick trees to make booths. And as it is written, 
So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in their courts of their house of God uh, and in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim and all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths for since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, until the day, until that day had not the children of Israel done so. Wait a minute. Since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, until that day, they had not kept the law. So don't you feel bad that you have not kept these laws because you don't know about these laws. That's why we have to get in a good Bible based ministry. It's good for somebody to tell you inspirational words and personal testimonies and how God is good and Jesus saves and just keep believing on him. But how are you going to believe in somebody that you don't know? You don't know the Jesus of this Bible, but you do know the Jesus of the world, the one that was born on December the 25th, the one that was crucified on Friday and rose on Easter Sunday morning. That ain't the Jesus of this Bible. So you've been well acquainted with that Jesus, but the Jesus of this Bible, you don't know. So how are you going to believe in somebody that you don't know? Maybe you believe in the wrong Jesus. Maybe that's why we don't have the power to overcome the issues that we've been dealing with in our life because we ain't got the right Jesus and we ain't praying to the right one, not the one of this Bible. Verse 17, and all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths for since the days of Jeshua, <clears throat> the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and they were very great gladness. Also, day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, <clears throat> and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly, according unto the manner. What is this eighth day? How does this eighth day just pop up when we're dealing with a seven-day feast? We got to analyze this eighth day. What does it mean? Why does the Lord keep mentioning this eighth day? What purpose does it serve? And what does it have to do with our lesson tonight? The real Father's Day. Now, we have never dealt with the Father in the flesh. We have Father in the flesh, and we've never dealt with the Father directly. Well, wait a minute. Didn't, didn't, Moses deal with a Jehovah? Didn't Abraham walk with God? Didn't he appear to some of the prophets? Didn't, didn't he show up to, uh, didn't Abraham pay him a tenth of, of, of his portion? How can you say, Brother Black Ice, that man has never dealt with God the Father? Well, let's show you in the scripture. Don't you believe nothing that I say? Believe what you read, brothers and sisters. That's why we say if you can't read it, don't believe it. Let's go to Exodus, the sixth chapter. When we look at Moses, we see that Moses dealt with a God that went by the name of Jehovah. The question is, is Jehovah the father 
or is he the son? Well, what do you mean is Jehovah the son? Jehovah can't be the son. Jehovah was the God that dealt with Moses. Well, let's analyze this. We're going to look at this thing real good. And then we're going to put Jesus on the witness stand. And let's see what Jesus had to say. We're going to put John on the witness stand and see what John had to say. We know they're going to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help them God. So let's see if what we thought was the truth is the truth or is it something else? Let's go to Exodus, the sixth chapter, verses one through three. Exodus, the sixth chapter. Verses one through three, if you just tuned in, we are talking about the real Father's Day. When are we going to celebrate our heavenly father? We've been celebrating our earthly father every year in, in June on what, the third Sunday of the month? Let's go, brothers and sisters. Exodus, the sixth chapter, verses one through three. It says, then the Lord said unto Moses, now shall thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with the strong hand shall he let them go, and with the strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Unto Abraham and to Isaac and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known. So wait a minute. God appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they saw the God of Israel. But he said, by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them? But I'm letting you know my name, Jehovah, Moses. So now we got a God that people can see. And we got a God whom people can hear the voice of because he spake unto Moses. So if it's a God that human beings have been able to see, and human beings have been able to hear the voice of. Let's put John on the witness stand and see if this is possible when it comes to the father. And if it's not possible when it comes to the father, then who is this other God that spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and appeared before them and spake to Moses? Well, let's get deep into this. Hold on to your seatbelts, brothers and sisters. Put on your thinking caps because we can finna go here. Let's go to John 1 and 18. In order to find out the answer to these questions, we have to put John on the witness stands. Let's ask him, according to Jesus' teaching, has anyone ever seen the Father or heard his voice? Let's go to John 1 and 18. John 1 and 18. And these are the words of John. And he says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he declared him. Wait a minute. No one has seen God at any time. Didn't we just read in the book of Exodus, the sixth chapter, verses one through three, where the Lord said, I appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, if you appear before somebody, then they have to see you. But John said at verse, John chapter one, verse 18, no man has ever seen God at any time. Wasn't Abraham a man? Wasn't Isaac a man? Wasn't Jacob a man? So we got some issues right here. 
but we're going to straighten these issues out. Now, let's put Jesus on the witness stand. Let's go to John, the fifth chapter, verse 37. John, the fifth chapter, verse 37. And it reads, and the father himself, which has sent me, have borne witness of me. You have never heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Well, wait a minute. You have never heard his voice at any time? Nor seen his shape? Wasn't the Lord walking in the garden and he spoke to Adam? He said, Adam, where are you? Adam said, I hid myself because I was naked. Didn't he communicate with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Didn't he communicate with Noah? Didn't he communicate with Moses? But Jesus said, you have never heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. So now we got a dilemma that we got to straighten out, brothers and sisters. Who was this God that spoke to Moses, that spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Now we got to get a little bit deeper because we're going to go back to the book of Exodus, the 24th chapter, and read some more about this God who spoke to Moses and the children of Israel. Let's go to Exodus, the 24th chapter. <clears throat> Exodus, the 24th chapter. And we're going to read verse 1. Exodus 24. And we're going to read verse 1. Exodus 24 and 1. And it says, And he said unto Moses, Who is the he that's mentioned here? It's the Lord God. They're using the personal pronoun he referring to the Lord. <clears throat> and it says, and he said unto Moses, come up unto the Lord. You, that's one. Aaron, that's two. Nadab, that's three. Abihu, that's four. And 70 of the elders of Israel. 74 people was asked to come before the Lord. Well, let's go down and see what happened. Let's read verses 9 through 11. 9 through 11. Exodus 24, verses 9 through 11. Let's see. Remember, Jesus said, no man has ever seen God nor heard his voice. Here's the Lord speaking to Moses, saying, I want 74 people, you, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 other elders of Israel. 70, 74 people come up before me. Let's read verses 9 through 11. Exodus 24, 9 through 11. Then went up Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. I count 74 people. And they saw the God of Israel at verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearliness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. Well, wait a minute. Do you think that John was not telling the truth when he said no man has ever heard the father's voice 
Do you think that Jesus was not telling the truth when he says, you have never heard my father's voice at any time, nor seen his shape? Well, we got to straighten this thing out. <clears throat> Who is this God of Israel that 74 people saw in the book of Exodus? Who is this Jehovah that we've been reading about? Let's go to the book of Psalms 83 and 18. This is the Jehovah Witnesses favorite scripture when they try to proclaim that Jehovah is the father. And we proclaim that Jehovah is the son. We got to do this, brothers and sisters, so that we can identify who the father is and the coming of the father and his kingdom. Let's go to Psalms 83 and 18. Psalms 83 and 18. You're going to run across this when you're talking to people. So you got to know what it says and know how to defend it when it's brought before you. Psalms 83 and 18. This is what the Jehovah Witnesses use to proclaim that Jehovah is the father. But let's read it. Let's see what it says. Psalms 83, 18. That men may know that you whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. When my mother read that to me, she was like, I got you, son. How you going to get out of this? Right here, Psalms 83 and 18, it says that Je Jehovah is the most high. Now, who's higher than the most high? I said, mama, there's only one problem with this. I said, God blessed your son to be a poet. And because I'm a poet, God has given me the ability to break down words and to use words and to analyze words. So as I, being a poet, analyze this poetry and this scripture that's written in Psalms 83:18, I unlock the meaning of the verse. And I don't just look at it for face value. So this verse says that men may know that you, whose name alone is Jehovah, so it's talking about Jehovah, and then it says, art the most high, so I got to give you that. Jehovah is the most high, but then it says he's the most high over all the earth. Well, if Jehovah was the father, and Jesus, when he prayed, he said, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then why isn't Jehovah the most high in heaven? He's only given the dominion to be the most high over the earth. Sounds like the sun to me, brothers and sisters. But now, Sister Key Israel, let's go ahead and um, go to Psalms 110. Verses 1 through 6. Psalms 110, verses 1 through 6. Let's go to more clues in the scriptures that point to the answer and the lesson, the real Father's Day. Let's look and see if there is a Lord over Jehovah. Let's go to Psalms 110, verses 1 through 6. Psalms 110, verses 1 through 6. We're talking about the real Father's Day. 
Uh oh, wait a minute. It says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Wait a minute. This is talking. We know David's Lord had a Lord. It says that the Lord said unto my Lord. So this is the father talking to the son. Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So now we got two beings that go by the name Lord. Write that down. And we're going to put that in our evidence as exhibit A. Two beings that go by the title Lord. And the Lord said to my Lord. Verse 2. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power and the beauties of thy holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the Lord swore and he said, I won't repent. You are you, Jesus. Jehovah are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike thou uh, through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the head of many countries. He shall drink the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Wait a minute. The Lord said to my Lord, who was this Lord that spoke to the Lord of David? Let's go find out. Let's go to John. Nope, we can't go to John yet. We can't go to John. I'm so ready to go to John, but we can't go there yet. How do I how do we identify the father and how do we identify the son? Let's go to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. We just read the words of David, who boldly spoke about what the Lord said to his Lord. Now let's identify who's da who David's Lord is. Matthew 22, 41 through 46. Matthew 22, 41 through 46. Matthew 22. I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting real high right now off of this word, brothers and sisters. Matthew 22, and we're going to read verses 41 through 46, and it reads. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think you of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then does David and the Spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he David's son? And no man could answer him a word. Neither does any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. So Christ is David's Lord. But we still got this Lord that said something to David's Lord. Oh, brothers and sisters. It's getting deep and it's all right here in the scriptures that we're reading to you. Let's go to Hebrews, the first chapter. 
verses 1 through 10, what role does the father play and what role does the son play in the totality of things? Hebrews, the first chapter, verses 1 through 10, we're talking about the real Father's Day. Have you gotten acquainted with him, brothers and sisters? Are you preparing yourself for his coming? Hebrews, the first chapter, verses 1 through 10, <clears throat> and it reads, God, who at sun-dried times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, having these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he have appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Well, wait a minute. The Son that God appointed as heir of all things also was the one that made the worlds? We're going to get into it in a minute, brothers and sisters, and confirm what this says. Verse 3, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. So this son that God appointed heir of all things, who also made the worlds by himself. And then it says, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he by an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, you are my son. This day have I begotten thee. And again, I would be to him a father and he shall to be, be to me a son. So we can't call the Holy Ghost a God, brothers and sisters, because angels are holy and angels are spirit and ghost is just a translation of the name spirit. So who is the Holy Ghost? We're not going to tell you what his name is today, but we're going to tell you that there are only three types of beings that are in heaven. Mentioned by name. There's the Father, there's the Son, and then there are angels. So if there are three that bear record in heaven, one being the Father, the other being the Son, then the only other type of being that could bear record in heaven is an angel. Angels are holy and they are spirits. So the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost bears record with the father and the son in heaven another lesson for another time i just wanted to drop that gem of curiosity on you so that when we do the lesson who and what is the holy ghost or holy spirit then you will have a little bit of cl a clue there let's go ahead and read verse seven it says and of the angels he saith who maketh his angels spirits uh-oh, his angels are holies in his spirit, right? And his ministers a flame of fire, but unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God. Wait a minute. God is calling his Son a God? So we got two beings that go by the title God. It says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, have anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth and the heaven are the works of your hands. So who made 
the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, the earth and all the planets thereof. It was the son that did that. And the father gave him the permission to do it. But those are the works of his hands, brothers and sisters. See, you were never taught how powerful Jesus is because people disgraced his name and did things in his name that turned you off from him. But that same Jesus that you were turned off by not only is the God of Israel, but he is the creator of this world and the earth and the planets and the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and every creeper thing that creep up upon the earth. Let's go ahead, brothers and sisters, and move on and let's confirm what we just read in the book of John, the first chapter. The same one that came into the world in the flesh was the same one that created all that is in the earth and the earth itself. Let's go to John 1. Let's go to John 1. Let's go to John 1. <clears throat> and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Now, what we teach here on the Bible class Truth Hour is how to determine what the subject matter is of a chapter, right? So let's find out what the subject matter is, right? And when we find out what the subject matter is, anything else that's mentioned in addition to the subject matter is only mentioned in relationship to the subject. Let's go ahead and establish the subject. In the beginning was the word, stop. That's your subject. The subject of John, the first chapter, is the word. Now, anything else that's mentioned is going to be mentioned in relative to the subject matter. And any personal pronoun like him, like he, like the same, all those is referring to the subject, which is the word. So let's read it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Wait a minute. So the word is a God too? Yes. That's what we've been reading all over the Bible since we started for the past 30 minutes. We've been showing you that the word is also a God. He just didn't all, he always go by that name. He went by the name of Jehovah as well. It says the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Talking about the word. Remember, he's our subject matter. And without him was not anything made that was made. One of the brothers said, that ain't talking about the word. Verse three is talking about the father. Well, let's go see if verse three is talking about the father. Number 10, it says he was in the world. Stop right there. Is this talking about the father? Did the father ever come into this world in the flesh? Nah, but the son did. Let's read what it says of the word or the son. It says he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. So the world didn't know this God that came in the flesh through Mary that was in the beginning with the father. The world didn't know him. Let's see what I got here. I got here 
a new world translation of the Holy Scriptures, which is the Bible of the Jehovah Witnesses. I want to show you something real quick, Sister Key Israel. This is a quick detour. Let's go to Genesis, the second chapter. Genesis, the second chapter. Genesis, the second chapter. We're going to read one verse, verse four. Now, up until this point, it only mentions the title God up until this point. And God said, let us make man. And God said, let this happen. Let there be light. And on the fourth day, God did this and God did this. So the only term that was mentioned up until Genesis, Genesis the second chapter, verse four, is the term God. Well, let's see if there's a new title brought into the equation in Genesis two and four. Genesis 2 and 4, it says, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. But wait a minute. Why go from God to Lord God? Because it was Jesus, brothers and sisters, that did the creating. But wait a minute. In the Jehovah Witnesses Bible, the term God is the only term that's mentioned until Genesis 2 and 4. And Genesis 2 and 4 says, this is the history of the heaven and the earth. At the time when they were created, in the day that Jehovah God made the heaven and the earth. Wait a minute. So Jehovah is mentioned for the first time, Genesis 2 and 4. The Lord God is mentioned for the first time, Genesis 2 and 4. And as it mentions Jehovah and Lord God, it mentions both of those names associated with creating. Didn't we just read in John, the first chapter, verse 3? All things were made by him, and without him, there was nothing made that was made, as it refers to the word. So, yes, brothers and sisters, the God that Moses dealt with, the God that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob dealt with, was the son, brothers and sisters. But now we got to get ready to talk about the father. We got to get ready to talk about the father. Let's look at the structure and the way things are done and the order in which things are done. So you can understand when you're reading these things, <clears throat> who has the dominion, who has the rule, who the dominion and rule is shared by and what order things are, things are um, executed in. Let's go to Revelations 1 and 1. Revelations 1 and 1. Revelations 1 and 1, and it reads, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So although John scribed it, it's the revelation of Jesus, right? But who gave Jesus that revelation? It says, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must surely come to pass. And he sent it and signified by his angel. That's that Holy Ghost. That's that Holy Spirit. And to his servant, 
John. So it goes from the Father to the Son to the Holy Ghost, which is an angel. And the Holy Ghost or the angel comes and reveals it unto the Israelite brothers and sisters. And through the Israelite male, <clears throat> it is given unto the other sons of Adam and daughters of Adam. This is the protocol. I didn't write it. I'm not being a male chauvinist or anything like that, brothers and sisters, but this is the way the Lord set things up. <clears throat> Let's go to John, the third chapter. We only got one, two, three, four, five more places to go. And um, let's go to John, the third chapter. Jesus explains what to expect in the Father's kingdom. This is the misunderstanding of the Jehovah Witnesses, brothers and sisters, thinking that the Father's kingdom will still be a flesh and blood kingdom. Still think that we can get into the kingdom in this flesh and blood body. No, after the thousand year reign of Christ and after Satan is defeated and put into the lake of fire after the judgment and death, brothers and sisters, of death, then we will be able to see the Father's kingdom. Let's go and see this conversation that Jesus had with what, which, with what was supposed to be a learned man a master in Israel, and he didn't even understand what Jesus was talking about. Like many of the masters of what's supposed to be the word of God don't understand today. But let's read it. In John, the third chapter, verses one through 10, it says, in those days, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent thee, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand John, the third chapter, and it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, some people think <clears throat> that being born again merely means accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But no, according to the word of God, accepting Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior means that you have been transformed into a new creature by the renewing of your mind. But let me ask you a question. Anyone out there who's born again, first of all, raise your hand. And second of all, if you are born again, show me where the kingdom of God is at, because you're supposed to be able to see the kingdom of God if you are born again. No, brothers and sisters, being born again means to be resurrected from the dead or either changed out of this flesh and blood body into your spiritual body, the same body that Jesus had when he came out of the grave. Well, let's see what Nicodemus said. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? 
How come Nicodemus didn't say, I'm already born again, Jesus? He was a master, teacher over the Jews in Israel, and even he knew that he wasn't born again. Well, wait a minute. He knew the word of God. He could have clearly said, well, Jesus, I'm already born again. But he didn't say that. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto you, except, to be, uh, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you got to be transformed by this word and you got to be resurrected from your flesh and blood body into your spiritual body. And then you can enter into the kingdom of God. Well, if you are born again right now, why can't you enter into the kingdom of God right now? Because the word tells us that flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you gotta have, be in a spiritual body to enter into the kingdom of God. That, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Here's another clue that Jesus is saying. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee that you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeneth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it has come from and where it goes. Have you ever seen the wind? Because it is invisible. Spirits are invisible, brothers and sisters. There are angels around here today that you cannot see because they are invisible. You cannot see God because he is a spirit and he is invisible, brothers and sisters. So when you are born again, you become a spirit being and you are invisible, just like people didn't know where Jesus was come from. He was able to walk through a wall and 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 reveal himself. Unto people and you will be able to reveal yourself, brothers and sisters. Oh, my God, brothers and sisters, this lesson is so deep. It says right here. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. It's comparing those who are born in the spirit to the wind. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, aren't you a master of Israel and you don't know these things? Well, brothers and sisters, don't feel bad if you don't know these things because the masters don't know these things or the people who profess and claim to be masters don't know these things but let's give you an even greater example well i'm not going to say a greater example i'm going to say another example and double down on what jesus said he said that which is flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit well let's go to first corinthians the 15th chapter first corinthians 15 47 through 50 1 Corinthians 15, 47 through 50. 1 Corinthians 15, 47 through 50. And it reads, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earth, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, which we are 
and our flesh and blood bodies now, it says, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. But when will that be, brothers and sisters? When we are born again. It says, now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So the kingdom of God is perfect and incorruptible. Why is God going to allow an imperfect flesh and blood body into a perfect kingdom? Come on now. Let's read a little bit further. Let's go down to verses 54 and 55. It says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal talking about our bodies, shall have put on immortality, which is our spirit bodies, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You can't die no more when you are born again, when you are in a flesh and blood, and when you are in a spiritual body. So death has no more power over us when we are in our spirit body. And when do we get this spirit body? Now let's get to the coming of the Father, the real Father's Day. We only got three more places, brothers and sisters. Revelation 20 and 14. Revelation 20 and 14. Turn your Bibles to Revelation 20 and 14. And it reads, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But wait a minute. So there's those of us who would die the first death in this flesh and blood body. But when you are resurrected to your spiritual body, if you do not pass judgment, brothers and sisters, then you are cast into what the Bible calls a lake of fire, which was really preserved for the angels that were kicked out of heaven that sinned against God. Spirit beings don't die. So God had to create a place of torment for those spirit beings since they can't die, brothers and sisters. God calls it the second death, but they would be very much alive in this place of torment called the lake of fire. Me and my mother was going back and forth about that today. So brothers and sisters, Happy Father's Day. Let's get ready, ladies and gentlemen, for the eighth day, the coming of the Father. Let's read about it. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, Revelation 21, and let's read about it. 1 through 4, Jesus has defeated that last enemy called death. Now he's about to give the keys of the kingdom over to the father and fall in submission to the father. And let's read about the coming of the father right now. Revelation 21, one through four. And I saw a new heaven and the earth and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Nothing else to divide nations and people from one another, brothers and sisters. We are all one now in the body of Christ. Verse two. And I, John, saw the holy city New Jerusalem, that's the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. The holy city, New Jerusalem. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Didn't Jesus say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come? Well, this is what he was talking about. 
I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Didn't Jesus say, I go to prepare a place for you? But it gets better. Listen to verse 3. It says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, look. The tabernacle of God, the house of God is with men. Where do men live? On this earth. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Although at that time we won't be flesh and blood no more. We, we will be God, brothers and sisters. But I'm glad that it kept it here the way it was written. So you will know where this kingdom is coming to, down to this earth. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he, talking about God, will live with them, talking about us. So God that's up there is coming down here, bringing his house and his kingdom down here to live with us. And it says, and they, talking about us, shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. Well, wait a minute. Why is it that we were told all our lives that we are going up a yonder? to be with our Lord. And the Bible is saying that the Lord is coming down to be with us. It says, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things. That's that kingdom that Jesus spoke about in the book of Matthew. That was coming. The real Father's Day, brothers and sisters, the eighth day when there would be no more flesh and blood. When we would become gods, joint heirs with Christ. So whatever Christ is and whatever Christ inherited, brothers and sisters, we share in that portion with him. We will become joint heirs with Christ. So just like he picked up his godship, we will pick up our godship and be a part of the body of Christ. And we will become a part of God's family, brothers and sisters. Last verse, Revelations 22, 1 through 5, when the Father comes... The son would join him and we will be with them on the eighth day, the real Father's Day, brothers and sisters. Revelation 22, last place, one through five. Revelation 22, one through five. So as much as we celebrated our fathers over the weekend, brothers and sisters, those of you all who did so, and as many text messages see that said happy father's day it's nothing wrong with honoring your father celebrating your father but we're talking about celebrating our father the god brothers and sisters revelations 22 and we're going to read verses 1 through 5 it says, and he showed me a pure river out of the water of life. I'm going to learn something on the way to learning something. Listen, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and the lamb. Wait a minute. I thought there, there was three in the Godhead. 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is showing you that the Holy Spirit is not a God. He is not in the Godhead. Yet he bears record in heaven. We submit to that because we can read that. But if there was a throne and the Holy Ghost was a God, shouldn't he be in a throne with God and the Lamb? But we don't find him here. It says proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. Verse 2, in the midst of the street of it and on the other side of the river was there the tree of life, which is none other than Jesus, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruits every month. And the leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb, only two, shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no light, no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Stay right there, Sister Key. I want to read them one more place. To show you, brothers and sisters, that we got to prepare ourselves to be in this kingdom. And we are working on our salvation now with fear and trembling. We're not saved until we step foot in the kingdom of God. Until then, we are working on our salvation. But when Jesus comes, he brings his reward with him. It says in verse 12 and 13, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. That's either being in the kingdom of God or the lake of fire. Both are rewards. But which one are we going to strive to be in and get the salvation of? So brothers and sisters, I pray that tonight's lesson was edifying to those who were watching and was glorifying to our Father, Almighty God, which art in heaven. We learned today about the Father that Jesus wanted us to get acquainted with. But in order to get to that Father, brothers and sisters, we got to go through our Father Jesus to get to his Father, which is also our Father. In order to get to that Lord, we got to go through our Lord. In order to get to that God, we got to go through the God of Israel. So we got some work to do, brothers and sisters. Learn this word. For those of you all who are on here for the first time, I'm sure that you've learned probably more than you've ever learned in your 30, 40, 50 years going to your churches. And I'm not taking any credit for that. All I'm saying is that when we open up this book and when we get into the word of God, you will be surprised how much you will learn that you don't know and how much inspiration you will unlock inside of yourself. And that inspiration gives you life, brothers and sisters. If expiration means death, then inspiration means life. And that's what this book does. And these words does. They give us life, brothers and sisters. And Jesus wants us to have that life more abundantly, which is everlasting life. Thank you so much for your time. For those of you all who are on Facebook, please go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is Truth. For those who are on YouTube, 
and you uh, have a Facebook. 